Welcome to the Thirsty Mage, the podcast where a group of friends get together to have a beer and discuss their favorite RPGs. Well, one of us has a beer anyway, and uh, the rest are adequately hydrated. <laughs> Season 2 is already off to a roaring start. Last week we set a mage record with a four and a half hour episode with about the Final Fantasy franchise, and this week we set a record for sticking to our bi-weekly schedule, which technically... Uh, has yet to be done at the beach, so we're, we're proud of that achievement. On the episode tonight, we're going to focus on some recent titles that we've been playing over the past month or so, and uh, talk some, some RPGs. But before we get into the discussion, let's find out who's here and what they're drinking. So as always, I'm your host, David Lloyd, and with me this evening is co-host of the Thirsty Mage, as well as the Talk Nintendo podcast, the most hydrated man in podcasting, Mr. Casey Gibson. Yes, yes, and uh, I'm staying well hydrated tonight as well. Um, I know I, I promised I'd have a beer last time, but uh, I think we're going to push that to next episode. Well, one of the, I swear, one of these episodes I'll be drinking a beer, but uh, just polished off my nice cup of Folgers, and uh, now I'm on to the, uh, the old H2O. Well, you might need some beer uh, after the game we'll be playing for the next episode. So. And we have a new regular to the mage. He's been given a permanent invite due to his love for Final Fantasy and his Canadian citizenship, Mr. Jordan Rudick. Hi, David. Thanks for having me back. Well, thanks for coming back. Now, is there any chance that, that you're not drinking some form of H2O? Uh, I'm not, actually, this time. Uh, but I, I'm, also not, I'm also not drinking anything alcoholic right now. Uh, I'll, I'll save it for the Dark Souls episode, too. Um, I'm I'm drinking a, a mango slush, like a like a bubble tea or I don't, I don't know bo- boba tea. I, I keep hearing boba tea, but in Vancouver we just call them bubble tea. So uh, yeah, it's it's like a fruity kind of icy drink, almost like a like a Slurpee or something like that. So uh, that that's my beverage of choice. <laughs> kind of, bringing a little flavor to I'm the kind nature. of a <laughs> yeah, like don't ever bring this into the pub, but. Yeah. I, I we had uh, we had uh, kind of Chinese food for for dinner, and so the, it came with a drink. So I got a mango slush. <laughs> well, I guess I guess until I we like the get... justification. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> until we can get Neil back in the mage, I guess I guess I'll, I'm the only one who's gonna get into his beer. I have tonight from the Mill Street Brewery a cobblestone nitro stout. So this is a nitrogen charged organic cobblestone stout. It's uh, deep roasted. It's got a very smoky, smoky taste to it, with a little lingering hop note. So it's a seasonal beer from the Mill Street Pub that we have uh, in town. I know uh, in Canada, the Mill Street beer is pretty easy to get. I'm not sure how easy it is for for you Americans to get it, but uh, it, it it's kind of similar to a Guinness in a sense. But it's this one feels a, a little little smokier, a little little hoppier. So. David, did you say nitrogen-charged beer? Yes. Can you taste the nitrogen? <laughs> no, but when I opened the can, it, it opened differently. It was, okay. It was okay. odd. There you go. Perfect. All right. I just want to make sure that, you know, that, that we're, we're checking the... That it's not false advertising or anything like that. You know, there's, it's got to be legitimately filled with nitrogen. Well, we'll see. Uh, we'll see how I'm feeling at the end of the show. We'll... I was going to say, it almost feels like it should be, like, juicing you up a little bit, you know? Yeah. Like, you get re- ready to rock and roll here. Yeah, that's right. Maybe by the end I'll be I'll be raring to go. I'll be ready to go for five or six hours. <laughs> beat, our, oh, beat, our rec- beat our record <laughs> from the last podcast. <laughs> that's right. Season two, the episodes just keep getting longer. That's right. It's the marathon. Well, actually, this week is probably going to be a little bit on the shorter end of the spectrum. We each have a RPG that we're going to be discussing that we've played. Uh, I think uh, we all played it in September for the most part. But we'll start. Actually, we'll start with Jordan, and we'll talk about uh, the RPG that he played recently, Child of Light. So, uh, Child of Light is from Ubisoft Montreal. That's who published it. Um, it first was released uh, in 2014 on uh, Xbox 360, Xbox One, 
uh, came to PS3, PS4 as well. Um, I, I imagine it's on Steam or uh, PCs too. Um, the director is uh, Patrick Plourde, Plourde, I think. Uh, so it looks like a French name to me. Uh, creative direct, he was creative director on Watch Dogs 2, Far Cry 3, uh, and also the lead game designer uh, for Assassin's Creed, uh, for the first one and the second one, uh, and then Rainbow Six Vegas 1 and 2 as well. Bunch of games I enjoyed. Yeah, and games that are certainly a lot different <laughs> compared to Child of Light. Way different. Yeah. <laughs> um, I've got uh, Melissa Cazero as the designer. Uh, it was it's a, Child of Light was only her second game. Uh, her first was Avatar, the game. Either of you play Avatar? Certainly saw the movie, but... <laughs> Can't, can't say I, I actually has. only just saw the movie recently. Okay. <laughs> you saw it recently? Oh, really? Yeah, I was, uh, I don't know what it was, but I was totally against okay. it for like the longest time. Pretty decent. Yeah, movie. yeah, not bad. But I, 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 I don't I don't really remember much about it. I don't remember, uh, I don't think I've ever played the game, but I do remember there was a game. Um, Oh man, you got me with all the, of course, Ubisoft Montreal got me with all the French <laughs> names here. Uh, looks like... Uh, uh, I think it's Orle de Bont, I believe is how it's pronounced. That, and uh, I think that's a she, uh, the uh, yeah. designer, another designer on the game. Uh, not someone who had a lot of experience. Uh, she worked on Pets, Horse Club, Arthur and the Revenge of Maltazard. Uh, yeah, I haven't played, <laughs> haven't played out of those. I do, I've heard of the Pets series, though. Uh, so a couple of new new people, I guess, are people that uh, and maybe didn't have a ton of uh, design experience. Uh, the composer, uh, Coeur de Pirate or Pirette, uh, a francophone singer-songwriter from Montreal. You know that one, David? Yeah, it, it's uh, kind of like love. Coeur is uh, heart or love? Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. I think it's like love pirate or something like that. But uh, okay. she's a singer uh, in Montreal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, cool. Uh, and, uh, you know, that, um, that singer did a great job on the soundtrack. I mean, one of the things, uh, very enjoyable about Child of Light is the music. It kind of really suits the, uh, uh, storybook and fantasy atmosphere of the game. Um, for those who haven't played it, it's, um, yeah, so it's a, an RPG. It's got turn-based combat. It's, uh, kind of set in a, this fantasy world called Lemuria, uh, where the main character, Aurora, is sent to after she supposedly dies. She's kind of, um sent to this uh this second world lemuria uh and she's trying she's struggling to get back to her uh her homeland uh, her homeland's actually a you know, real place austria she encounters a lot of kind of funny characters you know fantasy characters uh talking animals uh i think there's dwarves or elves in the game yeah one of the uh one of the members you recruit is a, a goal a, a stone golem um yeah, so it's it's not a long game, uh, but it is very enjoyable. I I believe I gave it an eight point five in my review, which you can check out on uh, NintendoWorldReport.com. Um, there's a there's a lot of little things that I like about the game. Um, it's it's fun to kind of explore the world. You're kind of floating or flying around from place to place, and then if you run into enemies, you you kind of fight them that way. There's no random encounters. Um, there's lots of little treasures and and potions and things to collect. Uh, there's a pretty standard progression system. You get experience points, you level up. And then just like um, something like Final Fantasy X, uh, you level up by uh, choosing nodes on a grid, and then you increase your attack damage or your HP or your MP and uh, all different stats like that. So the progression system is kind of nice. You also gain new abilities that way. So by uh, leveling up and having these ability points to put into a grid, you can choose uh, new abilities to learn there as well. Um, have you got, have either of you guys played Child of Light before? I have not. I own it, but I have not played it. Okay. Mm, in the old backlog. <laughs> That's right. I purchased it on my Xbox when I used to own one. And uh, I, I'm still looking into if I can play it on my PC on the Xbox anywhere. But I, I'm hoping uh, one day when I can get into that backlog that I'll have access to it. Yeah, I imagine that uh, all the three of us have a pretty sizable backlog on some console or multiple consoles i sure do (laughs) and the worst thing about being an rpg fan is that like oh if you like really like platformers you know you could probably get through that backlog relatively quickly Mm -hmm. but the worst is oh i've got like four games i really want to play and they're all 60 hours a pop yeah exactly um, what i I ended up buying a bunch of games uh, a bunch of final fantasy games all on on playstation network when they went on sale for like half price or something like that so i mean i basically own every final fantasy game but 
to go through and finish them all yeah that's hours and hours that i i just don't have right now so uh one day one day of course anyways back to child of light so yeah the turn-based combat really really enjoyable there there's um it's always Aurora and then another partner. You can kind of switch out without any penalty. You can switch between the, the I think there's a, maybe eight or nine different partners you can have in the game. Uh, you can even switch out the main character as well. And you can just play as two of the partners, I think, in the, uh, in the, in the, in the fighting, in the combat. Um, there's, there's boss battles, you know, and they're, um, again, kind of larger than life fantasy type creatures, you know, dragons, things like that. And, uh, they're all kind of beautifully, uh, animated and the, the art style is really, really neat. Again, very kind of watercolor storybook, uh, unique look to it. It really does feel like you're kind of playing through, uh, a, a children, a children's book or something like that. You said it was turn-based combat, right? It is, yeah. So there's, uh, I was, uh, wanted to get to one interesting wrinkle about the combat is that um, there's other games that do this too. Um, Grandia One and Two, which are coming to Switch soon, uh, they have something like this. There's a there's, and other games do too. There's a meter at the bottom that shows the turn order, and when it gets to your turn, you choose an attack, and then there's another short meter at the end while you're waiting for your attack to happen. Um, if you attack an enemy, you can interrupt their turn and you can force them to the back of the line. Uh, but they can do the same thing to you uh, unless you defend yourself. So there's a kind of, there's a nice kind of strategy or tactics element to it. Do you want to choose an attack that will happen quickly to interrupt your, to interrupt your enemy? Or do you want to gamble and hope they don't interrupt you? And maybe they attack your partner or they buff themselves or something like that. And then you can pull off maybe a stronger attack um, or maybe hit one of their weaknesses or something like that. So uh, the combat, it's not just standard turn-based. There's also uh, an extra element of strategy in terms of uh, the interrupting of your enemies and them maybe interrupting you as well. Mm, that sounds pretty cool. It's kind of similar to Radiant Historia. Yeah, that's right. I, I, I And I recently played that on a 3ds i just uh it didn't come to me but that's right but yeah this idea of changing the order of who goes first or who's going next in the battle as one of one of kind of the, the gameplay mechanics yeah i really enjoyed that what else can i, what else can I say about the game um it's, uh, it's a, uh, a linear it's a linear story right like there's no open world yeah it, it, it's quite linear um so the there is a world map uh but you do kind of kind of progress it from right to left um, you can backtrack to collect treasures, but and you know to complete one or two side quests. But it is a pretty straightforward game. Um, you you kind of rush through it, or you can kind of take your time and kind of you know just take in the sights and try to collect all the little treasures and stuff. But yeah, for my review, I I, I played through it pretty briskly. I, I knew it was a shorter game, but uh, you know we've we've got so many games to review these days that uh, I, did, I did want to get it done. Um, each of the kind of partner characters that you get seems to have one uh, side quest associated with them. Um, but there there aren't a lot of rewards. So there's a couple story beats that you will see if you do uh, do all of those side quests. And they're pretty easy to find and complete. So I did play through most of the side quests as well. But yeah, after the main story ends, um, there isn't a lot of reason to go back. Not a lot of replay value to the game. Um, I think there is a new game plus mode. And you can go again, you can go back and collect everything. But there's no achievements or anything like that, uh, so yeah, I don't I don't see a lot of people necessarily going back to the game at least right away. Maybe uh, returning to it years later or something. But um, yeah, what else can I say about it? Um, I was going to talk about the ending as well. Um, the ending seems kind of uh, cut off or rushed or unfinished. There's something there's something about it that just doesn't. It's not all that satisfying. It, I feel like um, maybe they didn't uh, get to spend as much time. Uh, creating or, or crafting or finishing the ending of the game. So uh, that was a little bit of a disappointment, but the experience of playing the game is really, it's, it, you know, it's kind of invaluable or really um, just a different game than, than things we've played before. Really loved the look of it. The combat was fun. Um, sometimes it's nice to you know, have some shorter games to play, considering, especially on the Mage, you know, we the games we play are often in the dozens of hours, sometimes over 100 hours. So to have a nice kind of six to ten hour game to, to plug through uh, was a, a little bit of a relief, I guess. Yeah, so really enjoy Tell <laughs> Yeah, no, for sure. Definitely a breath of fresh air and just something we don't get all the time. So that was it was it was fun. I definitely recommend that game. Well, I guess I I can go next. Um, the uh, game that I was recently playing is back in September. I did a review for it for NWR. It's Wasteland Two: The Director's Cut. 
And uh, so what this game, this game is made by Brian Fargo. He was the director on the game. Um, it was first released back in 2014 uh, on like PC Steam. And uh, Brian Fargo, uh, he's made a lot of games. He was, um, back in the 80s, He I think some of his more famous stuff was The Bard's Tale. Uh, he made the first Wasteland uh, way back then as well in 1988. That was uh, when he worked for uh, Interplay Productions. Uh, the original Wasteland was actually uh, developed for the Apple II, and uh, it's it's yeah. So it's it's been a long time between sequels. But um, what ended up happening back then was uh, Fallout was actually the the inspiration or the spiritual successor to Wasteland. Um, so, uh, so he was working on Fallout. Uh, he was actually part of the original Fallout. Uh, he was an executive producer with them. And, uh, but yeah, he's, he's done, uh, like 20, 30 games uh, over the past 30 years or so. I mean, a lot of small, like he's, he was an executive producer on Clay Fighter. Uh, he worked on, uh, the, the original Fallout, as I'd said, Star Trek, Starfleet Academy, uh, The Bard's Tale. So he, he's done quite a bit, um... But uh, I think his, his most famous work would be Fallout and Wasteland Two. He's he's also got a nice easy name to pronounce. Yeah, that's unlike, right. Uh, yeah, the ones you, you set Jordan up with. That's right. There's, yeah, it, it, I I stick uh, stick everyone else with the Japanese and French names. Take those Western <laughs> names. To be fair, you know, I I should you know being in Canada, French is one of our languages. I should be better with those names, but <laughs> but there's not a lot of French speaking going on in Vancouver, so. So, uh, Wasteland 2 is, it, a lot, it's a way to look at it really is, is if the original Fallouts, uh, stayed with their, uh, strategy RPG roots, uh, Wasteland 2 is a strategy game, it's based on, um, so it's about, I think, 20 to 25 years after the original Wasteland, when the story there is that there is, uh, an, apo- uh, nuclear war between Russia and the US, uh, so the, the rest of the world is destroyed, and, these group of um, army engineers who are based in Arizona uh, have have avoided the nuclear fallout and uh, not sure what's going on in the rest of the world, but they've decided that uh, they're going to set up shop in Arizona and, and try to carve out a little piece of uh, land for them to uh, and their neighbors to try to thrive and survive. And the the story effectively follows these group of um, now called the Desert Rangers. Uh, as they try to maintain the law in the area and and keep uh, society uh, going for as long as they can. And the game itself begins with... So what ends up happening is that you'll choose... You'll select a, a squad of four people, and they are trainees to the Desert Rangers. And everything begins with the funeral of one of the veteran Desert Rangers who was killed in combat. And so the leader of the Desert Rangers is is saying a speech or a eulogy, I guess, for the Desert Ranger. And at the end of the eulogy, he lets the new trainees know that they are to fulfill the mission of the recently deceased Desert Ranger and to find out who killed him. Now, are these Desert Rangers you pick, are they sort of like randomized or customizable or are they actually like just a set of like characters that they sort of build up uh, um you know story-wise both actually the you have the choice of having a predetermined set of rangers or you can customize them right from scratch and okay. yeah so now if you've never played it before i'd probably recommend going with the randomized ones because i thought i would be a big shot and knew what i was doing <laughs> and selected my own customization and when the game started up i realized that none of my characters were strong enough to even carry a weapon they started the <laughs> games they literally started the games with chunks of wood as their weapons um you guys are useless rangers <laughs> yeah it it really so you, there really is a push to specialization so you want to have like uh, a sniper uh, an assault rifle specialist an engineer a medic you're really pushed towards creating a, a specialized force you don't um going with the jack of all trades master of none approach is not recommended so what it, so after starting up uh, a randomized uh, team that that's when i really understood how the the class system worked so i i did restart not too long in and created my own team and i went with uh, the sniper the medic that can both heal and and 
do uh, surgery on the fly, uh, engineer that was a specialist with uh, en- energy weapons, and then I had uh, like a basically kind of a commando that would go in head head first to, to create a distraction and was uh, good at demolitions. It's kind of like a meat, a meat shield or a, a more of a defensive character that one, David. Yeah, exactly. It was the yeah, yeah. Go go in uh, shooting to create a diversion while the 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 other three sneak in from the side or behind or from afar. Mm-hmm. So, how many other character types are there? Like, are, they, are those you know when you're you chose those four, you know those are pretty recognizable character classes. Are there a lot more other ones you could choose too? Or yeah, there's. So it's it's very wide open. Like there's you you can choose kind of a negotiation style person where they can actually convince enemies to join your team, uh, mm-hmm. like mid battle. And they also have um, animal specialists, uh, kind of like the, a spy. Like there is, there's a lot of variation to the to the different classes that you can have. And as you level up, you can can put the experience points towards those just so that you can even be even Get more specialized. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, learn things on the fly. Like there's uh, a lot of vaults, like safes that, that are in there in the Arizona area. So you want to have like a safe cracker. You also want to have a computer specialist, uh, mechanic. Like there's, there's lots to choose from. And uh, variation is is one of the themes, essentially, of the game because uh, there's no real predetermined way to play. You're it's it's completely wide open. Uh, there's a there's a fork decision right at the onset uh, as you start to go off into the the wilderness to find the the killer of the desert ranger. There there's an immediate decision that has to be made where there's a, an installation that grows the food, and then there's a town that's in charge of the water. And basically, you both are under attack, and you've got to decide which one you want to go with. And so you when you go to save one, the the other is essentially lost, and that creates different story, different different storyline, different different lines of. Uh, missions later on so so there is a definite impact does it close off other missions i guess like other missions that you would do in the town that you don't help out like those would be lost to you yeah like certain characters are actually killed yeah that's cool Mm, okay yeah so So it gives you a reason to sort of maybe jump back in and play it a different way then exactly and so i would say this is a highly replayable game because even the missions that you're given you don't even have to do them Uh, one of the options is you can just butcher the entire Arizona State and and leave no no person standing <laughs> like there's a, you can basically play any way you want there's a, another big town that actually has like its own self-contained problems so there's like a, a civil war going on within the town so mm. you can either side with one one part of the town or side with the other or you could try to reconcile it or just butcher them all like it's there's it's up to you that's up to you you can do whatever you want it's great is there is there like a main story, David? Like something your you know main objectives like you, they would lead to some kind of ending in the game? Yes. Now that that's the the storyline of trying to solve the murder of the Desert Ranger. Okay, okay. So so you follow that all the way through. Yeah, and, and yeah, th- there'll be other quests branching off of that, I guess. And yep. Yeah. So there is yeah. an ending. Like there is a main story. Okay. Uh, yeah. So, but it's it's kind of uh, like if if you've played even if you've played a recent Fallout, it's kind of the same way where. There is like one main story, but then there's a lot of side stories and side factions and that sort of thing that you can figure out. The other great thing too is that the the party itself can grow or die. There's permadeath, so if you lose mm-hmm. one of the people that are in your team, they're just gone for good. You can also recruit people. There's a, a number of different NPCs that you can add to your party along the way. There's actually too many that you can add, like if you because <laughs> you can get up to seven, and then if if you start adding in more uh then you actually have to send them back to your base and pick them up later uh the the there's a, a whole salvaging system of like finding ammo especially at the beginning of the game is is difficult like you really have to search around and and uh pick up from defeated enemies and and kind of ration the the different uh, ammunition and weapons you find so mm. th- there's a lot of strategy in the game and uh, i really love the the combat system so whenever you get into a fight, it's essentially wherever you are standing, that is the arena. So once you start getting into a fight, it goes into uh, like an S- SR strategy RPG where the, I've never played XCOM, so so I, I don't want to really <laughs> compare it too much to that. But I guess the, the most recent thing I can compare it to would be a less goofy Mario Rabbids. 
where you can use Unless, yeah. Yeah, where you can use the environment to your advantage like you hide behind things and you can sh- you can shoot different p- parts of the environment that may affect p- the, what they're standing beside or uh, or you just shoot at them directly and there's a lot of strategy based on like what weapons you're holding like if you're the sniper you you have a better a high percentage of a higher percentage of hitting someone the further you are away uh, like there's kind of a sweet spot of how many spaces away from someone you are hmm. and every all the actions are uh, calculated with action points so you have so many points that are needed to shoot a weapon and then you can use the other points to move either before or after you've shot so a ton of strategy goes into uh, just like every, each and every fight David is it possible to play the game um, you said there's obviously a lot of freedom in different you know different quests you can kill everybody if you want to stuff like that um, is, is it it's not I imagine it's not possible to avoid combat entirely like at some point you know, combat is a fairly big part of the game, and you're going to have to fight people. Is that right? Yeah, no pacifist runs in this game. Okay, okay. Yeah, just, <laughs> uh, you and I both completed pacifist runs of Undertale, so I had to ask. Yeah, no, no. It's uh, you. You definitely have to fight at some point, like because there's okay. raiders that in, like. So in the first, in that first decision, there's the the town that that has the water. A, a squad of raiders have taken over the town, so your water supply is at risk. So you essentially have to kill all the raiders in order to fix the water supply. Right. And then it's funny because after you do that, then it becomes a, a political because now because the mayor actually is has been killed by the by the raiders. And uh, there's two candidates for mayor, one that's more sympathetic towards the rangers and one that's less. Hmm. And there's different like you can actually affect how the election pans out. Can you kill one of the candidates? You could if you wanted to. Okay, so you can kill you can kill everybody. You can kill both of them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you could just you could just destroy the entire town if you wanted to. But I, I ended up siding with the person that was sympathetic towards my cause. But at the the other candidate, at after you do so much for the town, uh, they're actually not like they're kind of on your side anyway. So it's so it, but it really depends on what you do and how you act and, and the missions you take on. There, so a lot of what you do will affect things down the road. So even though it looks like maybe a, you're a good choice, bad choice, like a pair, like I'm thinking mass effect here, like a paragon or a renegade decision, right? The good guy or the bad guy. Oh yeah. It's, it's not all, it, it's, it's not, not black maybe it might, it might be that on the surface, but yeah. If, as you play a little bit more, as you dig in a little bit deeper, you see that, yeah, it's not so much. It's really gray. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And especially the town, the one, the other the other town that you go to where there's kind of two factions fighting each other. The way I looked at it is, is like, you know what? The, both of these sides seem like a bunch of assholes. <laughs> so there was, there was real no, there was no clear cut, okay, these are the good guys and these are the bad guys. Well, what's the what's the saying here? Shoot them all, let God sort them out. Is that is that how you played that one, David? <laughs> <That's right. laughs> well, I ended up going with okay. Who's got the best reward here? Yeah. Okay, yeah. these guys are gonna give me this. It's all about David. That's huh? that's, that's right. right. <laughs> so, but I mean that that the, but the developers or whoever made the game they put that in there, right? Like, they, are you gonna choose? Are you gonna be selfish? Are you gonna choose you, or are you gonna choose? You know, maybe what might be a more satisfying story conclusion, right? No, I'd rather have, I'd rather have the loot, you know, give me that. Yep. All it's always all about the loot. <laughs> yeah, it's always... Clearly. Yeah. Well, speaking of loot, Diablo three is coming out in a couple Ooh. weeks. So yeah, it's definitely going to be all about the loot there. So uh, yeah, I would definitely recommend it. Uh, I know when I reviewed it, there was, uh, there's a lot of performance issues in the sense of the game crashing often. Hmm. So <laughs> I know it was being addressed and I, there has been an update, but I haven't played it since the update. So I don't know if necessarily that was fixed. The UI is a little weird because it was developed for PC. So I think the definitive experience would be on PC if if you have it. Like it's obviously a better resolution and higher FPS, uh, easier to use a mouse to really kind of direct everybody to what what they should be doing. But I didn't. My opinion is, is if you can't get it on PC or if you prefer the mobility of Switch, it, it's a good enough port that it's, it's not, it it didn't, it's not unplayable. It didn't detract necessarily from the experience. I just think the experience would probably be better on the PC. But if you have a Switch and, and you don't have a PC, 
then still I would still play the game on Switch. You know, it's one of those funny yeah. things about the Switch is that everyone seems to be able to, or a lot of people seem to be able to settle for lesser versions of games. Maybe not the prettiest, maybe that you know the frames take a hit or you know other other uh, concessions. I suppose to have it on the console, but a lot of people seem willing to to make those concessions to say. No, I, I want everything on Switch. I, I know this game would be better somewhere else. I have a PS4 Pro. I have a, a, a nice gaming PC. I could play it there, but I would rather have it on Switch. Just one of those funny things we keep hearing coming up over and over again. That portability, man. Especially yeah. with these RPGs, you know, it's like... it's it's Because, per- like, for, for me, like, Persona 5, I played a bunch, and then, then PAX came up, and then, you know, another thing, and then I never got back to it. But if I had that on the Switch just be able to bring that with me, you know, never fall into that period of like, oh, I haven't played for a week and a half, like, uh, you know, falling out of it. Um, it oh, it's just so perfect for RPGs. And and falling out of it, you know, it's not playing for a week or more, you know, or, or a month or something that can really, you know, really detract or really deter you from going back to a game, especially like Persona 5, where the story is such a big part of it. And, you know, and there's there's mystery elements, you know, what, you know, where are we going to go next? What are we going to do next? Uh, what what relationships have I been building up? You, you forget all those things when you stop playing it. But, you know, the stuff on Switch, it's really hard to not find time to come back to stuff, you know? Uh, yeah, even if it's a 10, 15 minute little break where you can just pop in and pop out. Yeah, I mean the sl- the sleep mode is so good. Like I I've been at home the last few uh, I've been at home the last month or so. Uh, I'm on kind of on uh, on my uh, semester off from from work, and I, I'm ta- I'm at home taking care of my son, uh, and you know I can play for ten or fifteen minutes while he's playing with his toys, and then when he wants to some attention from me, I hit the sleep mode. I put the switch down, and I go and play with him, and it it really is basically instantaneous. You know p- that pick up and play it literally is pick up and play you know it's not boot up the system you know sit down in a chair you know turn on the lights or turn on the tv or all that stuff it's so simple mm, it's like the vita like that yeah. was nice about the vita just being yeah, able to like, yeah. boop, click out you know yeah that was a great and, I, and i've got one too yeah the vita oh, and those especially batteries, for, like, for persona 4 golden i mean that was perfect right yeah yes yes but Moving along here, I think you're wrapped up on Wasteland 2, right, David? Yep, I I will finish it up with saying I recommend you play it. There you I, have I, it. I, I think I might pick it up when it goes on sale. Like It sounds like a really cool game, and I love the idea of kind of the choose-your-own-adventure elements to it. You know, who, yeah, who who lives, who dies. Me, you know, meaningful choices, which we don't always get in games, you know. Sometimes you get the dialogue trees, and you get a little bit of different, uh, you know, conversations happening with characters, but... When you can actually do things in a game that uh, have really impactful narrative changes or storyline changes, I, I mean, I'm I'm all for that. But yeah, I just don't have time for the game now. But if it, if it goes on sale in the next uh, you know six months to a year, I'll probably pick it up. Cool. So we got one game left on the docket tonight, and it's uh, the most recent of the bunch. And Mr. Gibson has been playing it. Yes, sir. Uh, you know, following up. It is the DLC to uh, my favorite game on the Switch, and that is Xenoblade 2. And uh, I've been playing the DLC, the standalone DLC also, for those uh, who haven't dipped into the original one, Torna the Golden Country. Now, you both of you have not played this game yet, right? I haven't played Torna. I've played Xenoblade 2. I've played Xenoblade 2, but yeah, not the expansion. I've held my nose up because it's DLC. See, (laughs) I... uh, it, honestly, for me, oftentimes DLC will just be, yeah, it's like I played the game, I played what you, you know, deemed was important enough to be in the game, you know, like the DLC I could do without, but uh, let me tell you, this... Uh, change my mind, Casey, change my mind. I really like this, but there is a big, one big gripe that I have with it, but I think that's more potentially just on me um, and how I play my games, but... To start us off here, we've got uh, pretty much the same crew as the Xenoblade 2 crew. You know, you've got Tetsuya Takahashi is the director, and, you know, he was uh, par- d- did the scenario, as well as, uh, I got a couple other names here, Yuchiro Takeda and Mam- Mamoru Ohata. Ohata? Something like Ota, that? Ota, maybe? Ota. Um, yeah, David freaking 
Ryan Fargo. <laughs> he gave you like 15 <laughs> names here. It's really hilarious. Well, uh, yeah, I, I went through the credits and I was like, right, let me write all these names down. Uh, I'm yeah. not going to go through them all. But yeah, it's the, you know, pretty much the crew that was working on the original game continued their work with uh, Torna. And what's really cool is that, you know, if you've played Xenoblade, you've heard plenty of Torna, the Titan, uh, you know, and you see tons of people who have come descendants of Torna. So it was really cool to be able to actually get to go to Torna and see, you know, this big Titan and the cities and the different, you know, people that inhabit the land. And, um, you know, so I thought that was a really cool thing to, after playing, you know, 60 or 70 hours, whatever it is, and, and this fabled land being such like a, like a cornerstone of this original story, um, to be able to finally go there and check it out firsthand was a really cool feeling. Um, and what's also cool is seeing all of these characters that you've become familiar with, whether they are, um, you know, perceived enemies in the original game, you know, or if it's just through flashbacks of certain characters and hearing about, you know, like Adam, you know, you hear so much about Adam, to finally actually get to go in and see them as a person and see their personality and how they interact with one another. Um, and, you know, you see Mithra, and she's she's not the Mithra of the game, you know, you've played before. She's more raw, believe it or not. Um, and it's like, it's so funny because all of the other characters are bagging on her, you know what I mean? And really ripping her a new one. And and it's funny, you know, she's the Aegis, you know, like, oh, she's amazing, you know, the all powerful Aegis and she's getting bagged on by, by the other, uh, party members. But, right. Which is, and that's kind of the opposite of what, what happens in the base game, right? Like where she's the one kind of ripping on everybody. Yeah. So it, it's, like I said, it's really cool to see these characters, you know, because, um, what's this, 500 years before, I believe, is, uh, yeah. That, sound, that sounds right, Aegis yeah. War, approximately 500 years prior to the main events of uh, Xenoblade 2. So it's cool, like I said, you're seeing these characters, you know, 500 years beforehand. So it, they're, they're you know, they have similar traits and stuff, and, like, they're the same person, or, like, like Bridget and stuff. You see these people, but, like, they're different at the same time. So it, it's cool to see... Um, how this party comes together uh, because the story is, you know, like Malos is, you know, still at it being a jerk um, <laughs> and like, uh, you know, you find like he, he's got an evil plan and, you know, you're trying to stop him essentially. So, you know, you're, you start out as Laura and her blade is Jin you know, obviously a, a very big part of the the game as well. Mm-hmm. So it's cool to actually be able to play as Jin. And, you know, for me, I thought he was one of the more interesting characters in the original game. So, like, to just learn more about him was really cool. And Hayes, you know, and these characters were, you know, Hayes was a little, you know, you don't see as much as Jin. But to see these characters and, like, really become familiarized with them um, is pretty cool. And, like, Adam is, I, I think, a really cool character, um, and then you actually, you get, like, uh, so essentially you get, like, three main party members, um, Laura, Adam, and Hugo from uh, Morardane, my favorite. Um, and then they each have their blades. And what's cool is, you know, in the original game, like, you'd have, you could have three blades and you could switch between them and it sort of powers up Rex, you know, or whoever your character's using. This you actually switch so if, you know, you have Laura and you have Jin and Hayes as her blades, you can actually switch so you'll be controlling Jin and then you'll be controlling Hayes and you can sort of uh, switch between the three on the fly. Um, there's a little bit of a cool down, so it's not literally being able to just at all times, but it's really cool that, like, they, they changed up the, the battle system, like... It's still very Xenoblade 2, you know, you got your chain attacks, and you're still, you know, get your arts with your, your different levels and all that stuff. But it's cool that they made a tweak here um, from the original to, to give it some life so it's not literally just playing more of the same. So they're not they're not just driver or blade necessarily, they can be either or, all of them. Yeah, yeah, and what's cool is, like, you know how you get, like, the WP points, uh, I forget exactly what that stands for, to, like, boost up your arts? Mm-hmm. Essentially, each character has, like, a driver set of arts, 
and a blade set of arts. Mm-hmm. So like even Laura, you know, the the quote unquote driver, she has arts that you can improve when she is on like the back with support, you know. So it, it's got a ton of different abilities that you and that you can pay attention to and upgrade as you uh, move along. And of course, you could do that for all the blades, Adams and Hugos and everyone, you know, Mithra and everyone. Um, what's cool is too is the timing. Um, if you time up like how you use your skills um, with like an auto attack, it does it quicker. So it's like it, it gives a little bit more active, you know, paying attention where it's not like oh my button's up. You know, I can just smash, you know, whatever, use the art, let's move on. It's like, oh, there's a little bit of, like, timing involved with it as well, which you can you can ignore, but it just optimizes your attacks and stuff. Casey, how would you compare the game to uh, the, the base game, Xenoblade 2? Like, is it, you know, in terms of, I, I know it's obviously a little bit shorter, um, but you, you've talked a lot about the combat, but what about, you know, the, the world or the story and things like that? Can you just tell us a little bit about, you know, how, how that's different from the base game? Sure. Um, <clears throat> so, I mean, the story is pretty much like, all right, we need to get, we're trying to track Malos, and you definitely get, a, like, with Laura and her family, and what's cool is you start to see, like, a, a Malthus. He's not the Praetor yet, you know what mm, I mean? He's, right. I forget the, he's a step below, you know, I, I forget the exact name of uh, his title. But, like, you so, so sort of start to see how, like, how he sort of shapes into being what he becomes ultimately. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and he's working with this other guy, um, which I'm so bad with names in, in games. I'm blanking. Um, it was, well, I'm blanking on it right now. But anyway, there's this other guy, and he's sort of, I feel like he's the guy that's sort of pushing Amalthus to hmm. become that sort of, like, ultimately what he becomes. Okay. Um, but, like, you start to, you, you get some background about Jin's old driver even before Laura. And, you you know, you see how Adam, his sort of, like, his workings within the Torna hierarchy. And, you know, and it's cool how those sort of plug into, like, as act as... Uh, compliments to the main story mm. but they're strong enough that you can in like if you don't if you never played the original game and you jumped into torna i think you could still have a good time and still enjoy the story you know it's not solely dependent on um like knowing the original game yeah i think that's how they were trying to market it as well is that you know maybe start with this game and then see if you like it you can buy xenoblade after which is really funny you know where the culmination of the season pass for xenoblade is torn of the golden country right that's the story dlc we were all waiting mm-hmm. for when yeah. they when they announced there was going to see be a season pass and yeah I'm, I'm not a huge fan of season passes that kind of turned me off I, I i don't know if i've ever really bought one um but I, I you know i was tempted at some point to grab it knowing that this was going to be uh the final piece of it or the main piece of it you know but yeah it, it's such an interesting idea that they've sold this separately and you you don't you don't have to play the main game you could just go out and buy torna and if you do buy that you'll have a code for all the extra expansion pass stuff yeah just a really a really neat way of giving us this content you know i'm very intrigued by it i'm, I'm sure i'll play it at some point i know that uh, just before it came out i think both you and i were both kind of a little bit on the fence or maybe you were more committed uh, maybe more sold on it than i was um i just had i was playing a lot of other games at the time i didn't have you know, another 40 hours or I, I would, I don't know how much have you put, how much time did you put into Torna? Well, this is the nice thing. All right. So let me, <clears throat> let me get to that sure. with one little cat. All right. So before, essentially I played about, I think probably 13 ish hours. Okay. Um, and there's probably about six ish more hours left. So okay. you could definitely beat this, um, in about twenty hours, give or take. Okay, so it's not it's not super long like the like the original no, game is, no. right? Okay. No. Now here's the problem: is uh, mm. at least for me. So I'm not. I don't love doing side quests. Like I, I I don't mind doing some here and there. Like oh, if like I need to get over here and there's a side quest like pretty close that I can go go do as well. Like I'm down with that, you know. But I'm not looking to be like oh, let me go, you know, in the complete opposite direction of where I I need to go to do these. A bunch of quests for funsies, you know. Um, so there is a, a an aspect of this game called community, which is essentially just all of the side quests. Um, as you do side quests um, and complete these tasks for people, they join your community. And um, essentially, when you get a certain amount of people to join your community, it levels up. 
So as I was playing the game, I got to a point, and it's like, hey, like, whatever happened in the store, it's like, let's get community up to level two to progress. And I was like, okay, I don't love that, but whatever, maybe it's just like a little reminder of like, hey, you know, this is an aspect of the game, go do some side quests. And, you know, the to get from level one to two wasn't that bad. So, you know, I did that, got back on the main quest, and uh, was enjoying my way. And then, uh, ultimately, and I guess... This could be a little spoiler-esque. I'm not going to, you know, for anyone who's really making, they don't want to hear any spoilers, I'd say skip ahead a minute or two here. But uh, essentially you get up to a point where it's like, like, oh, you sort of encounter Malos, right? And then, like, some story stuff happens and he's essentially like, all right, I'm going here, I'll wait for you kind of thing. So it's like, then, like, some more story stuff comes up and then they're like, all right, well, we know Malos is going to wait for us, so why don't we, like, uh, raise the morale of everyone in the world and get (laughs) that community up to level four? See where this is going. (laughs) Yeah, so so that's where I was like, are you kidding me? Level four? And then I went and I, like, looked online. I'm like, all right, let's see what, like, how long people are saying, like, to get from two to four. Mm -hmm. And they're talking, like, four, five, six hours. And I'm like, are you kidding me? And I was like, all right, like, like, what's the payoff here? And then I'm pretty sure it's like, and, and I, I, I'll admit, I was like, you know what? I'm not wasting my time doing all these side quests I really don't want to do for like an hour and a half of payoff. Yeah. So I just went and I watched the YouTube on how it ended. Um, which is, un- I know, I know. Which is unfortunate <laughs> because honestly, like, I love the story. Like, like, I like Torna is awesome, you know. Yeah. It, I just and I get it. It's like, oh, it's the big DLC. We need to sort of, you know, we don't want this to be over in ten hours. But like, screw that. Let it be over in ten hours, and it'll be perfect, you know. Um, yeah. Instead, they add a bunch of padding, which is sort of annoying. And like, for instance, there was um, I needed to clean up rubble, right, a- around the city here. Mm-hmm. And I go and I'm like, oh, my field level is not high enough for that. How do I raise my field level? All right, you need to put Pyra's or Pyra Mithra's favorite dessert in her pouch. You know, which is essentially anyone who hasn't played. It's like they're consumables that give you buffs. So it's like use a buff. You know, use two buffs of that Mithra really loves. I'm like, okay, where do I get those? Oh, I can craft those, but I need these three pieces. Okay, these three pieces are found around the world. Let me go find those. So it's like, go find the ingredients. Go to a campfire. Make two desserts put them in my pouch, get my field level up, and then I can go back to the city and pick up the rubble, you know? So I'm like, oh, is Ooh. anyone have to do this for six hours? You know, it's like... Yeah, uh, it's, one of those, it's one of those things in the original game uh, was like this as well, where, you know, the field skills, the field and if you didn't have it, you had to, you know, to find a, a blade that did, or you had to level up their skills and stuff, and the, the way progress is kind of gated off like that is, you know, I, I think it's kind of... I get that it adds length to a game, but it's very player unfriendly. You know, I uh, especially if there's really good content, really good side quests that have really good story beats to them, locked behind things like that, it's kind of disappointing. Um, it's it's I guess one of the maybe one of the problems with the series is that if you want to f- do everything, or if you want to f- find the good side quests, you often have to wade through a lot of crap to get there. You know, a lot of go here, pick up this, bring it back. Stuff that's really just kind of boring, very menial, you know, not a lot of uh, really fun gameplay to it. Uh, and then occasionally you'll get a really good side quest that has, you know, something kind of crazy happening or there's a, a new gameplay mechanic or a wrinkle attached to it. You know, it's it's hard to find the good quests in, in the, it's almost a needle in a haystack kind of thing sometimes. So here's the important question, Casey. You can talk to three weeks ago, Casey, before he dropped the money. On Torn of the Golden Country. Yes, I still play it. You would still put the money down for that, eh? Yes. Because, um, like I said, like for me, first off, like I said, Xenoblade 2, uh, Xenoblade Chronicles 2, my favorite game in the Switch. So, even to just get back into All Rest and, and check out these, like I said, to see Torna, to see, you know, just get back in that world was, an, like, I loved it. I loved it. You know what I mean? The music is so good. The combat's super fun. Um, you know, just 
super good. You know what I mean? The story, like I said, is to me was really, really, really cool. Like I said, seeing all these characters and then, you know, having the knowledge of the base game and then adding, you know, sort of piecing like, oh, okay, that makes sense now. You know, like, oh, I see where this is coming together. And like I said, and what and like what Jordan was saying, like the fact that it you could play this game totally first and go, oh, wow, that was super fun. I want to play the, the regular game. And then you'll have that knowledge going in and you can store, sort of make those same connections just in reverse order. Um, what I would tell myself uh, three weeks ago would be start doing those side quests now. Like, like as you're doing the story mode, jump into some of those side quests. So it's not just, you know, oh, I've got a block of five hours that I need to pound out all these side quests in. Um, and I would recommend that to, like, if you, either of you guys jump into this at some point, just start doing the side quests as mm-hmm. you're playing through the game. And then that way, like, and like I said, you know, for someone who loves side quests and, and they get up to that point that I'm up to and they go, oh, I'm already level three and I'm halfway to level four. Like, oh, it's like an hour and a half of side quests. No, no big deal. You know what I mean? Um, just the way I generally play, like, obviously it turned out to be for the worst in this situation, but if you do play, like I said, just start chipping away at those side quests early, so then that way when you get up to that roadblock, it's not so uh, so daunting. That's really good advice, Casey, because I, I, the, the way I've been playing RPGs, especially lately, is I'm pretty much just mainlining them, you know? I, I'm not trying to do everything. I'm skipping a lot of optional content, which, I, you know, maybe a few years ago when I was less busy, I might I might have tried to do more. But, you know, yeah, it's really good to know that in this game that if you skip a lot of side stuff, you're not going to be able to get the whole experience of the game. So, yeah, maybe do side quests when they kind of pop up or when they're close to you so you're not running all the way across the map to do them. Uh, that That's really good to know. Yeah, and, and like I said, it's a shame because, like, I really, like, I love this game. Like, like I said, it sucks that it so happened to pan out. Like, and like you said, if I was... You know, if I didn't have other games, I, I had to play for review and mm-hmm. and other games I just want to play in general, you know, like I probably would have. And I, I still even contemplated like, you know what, I'm just going to like, do I just want to like buck up and just get through this? And then ultimately I decided it was just like with everything going on, you know, it's better just to 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 skip it. But I like I said, I really, really enjoyed it. Um, the characters are all fun and, and interesting in the story. And like I said, for those who haven't played the original game, the good thing about this game is more or less it's 20 hours. So you can get in. If you love it, there's more Xenoblade to play. And if you don't or if you're like if you're content after the 20 hours, you know, you can just move on and and at least you'll have an idea of what Xenoblade has to offer. Yeah, that is a good thing about the series. Uh, again, is that there's a lot of there's a lot of optional stuff if you want it. You know, if you just want to do the main story, you can usually get through it. You know, in a reasonable amount of time. But if you want to put in hundreds of hours in this game, and we, you know, we've seen people switch time counts. We've seen them, you know, two hundred, three hundred hours in a game like this because there's so much, so many little things you can do, collecting all the blades, maxing out all the stats and stuff like that. I think they added a new game plus mode at some point as well. So they definitely supported the game well. And there's tons to do uh, if that's if that's what you're looking for, right? So it sounds like Torna is like that as well. If you want a lot of optional stuff, it's there for you too. Well, I think that's uh, it's going to about do it for tonight. We've got uh, three terrific RPGs that we all recommend. Mm-hmm. Some longer than others. <laughs> yeah, but all not too, too long. You know, I feel like a... Like the episode, pretty brisk RPGs when compared to uh, to some games out there. Yeah, exactly. So, well, I just want to thank everyone for listening. If you haven't, if you don't follow us on Twitter, uh, I recommend that you do. I'm going to start posting the uh, beer selections on Twitter if anyone's interested and wants to try any out that they hear about. And we are going to, we're hopefully going to go three for three on the bi-weekly schedule. The next episode we have coming up is, it's almost, uh, it's a bit of a review episode in a sense. It's going to be on Dark Souls Remastered for the Nintendo Switch. It's going to be, it's going to be nice to have an episode where we're focusing on one game. Because the last, well this one and then the last one, you know, be focusing on a bunch of games. So it'll be nice to kind of take a deep dive into Dark Souls. Mm -hmm. And by the time you're listening to this, uh, I will have a review up for Dark Souls uh, on NWR, uh, NintendoWorldReport.com. 
I uh, also have a video review on Nintendo World Report TV. And uh, and I hope my Switch is still intact. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, I haven't busted my Switch yet, so I guess the the review will be good. <laughs> I mean, we, we got we to start, start the Dark Souls podcast with that. Okay, how, how, what did you break? You know, how many controllers uh, did you send to Nintendo for repairs after playing through Dark Souls for a few weeks? How many how many holes in your wall are they yeah, are right. they fist sized? Right. Yeah, yeah. So that'll be a, that'll be a fun episode. We'll talk about our experiences within it and maybe uh, discuss a little bit of the lore and just have a, a nice uh, focused discussion on one game. So that'll be in two weeks time. So, and uh, in the meantime, if you can uh, if you have the time to maybe give us a, a rating on uh, your podcast uh, player of choice just so that we can get the word out and uh, help help the, the pod grow. That'd be great. And if you have any feedback, again, you can hit us up on Twitter. It's at the Thirsty Mage. And you can also send an email directly to me, davidl at nintendoworldreport.com. So I just want to thank our two uh, pub guests tonight, Mr. Casey Gibson and Mr. Jordan Rudick. Thank you. It's always a pleasure. Can you even call us pub guests when we, we brought coffee and water and bubble tea to the pub? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. We're I'll, at the I'll, cafe we'll the, next door. That's, that's <laughs> yeah, right, yeah. Right. So I got to yeah. do better next time. The, the, the bartender's tips were, were uh, a little a little lean this week with, uh, with the coffee and the, the yeah. tea. So. That's right. That's right. Yeah, you don't have to tip on water, right? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> We just get David to tip triple for the for us, uh, Casey. Yeah. That's all. Yeah, yeah, perfect. I'll just have I'm to start drinking. That. I'll have to start drinking for three, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> be sloshing by the end of the the end of the episodes. Yeah, that's right. Perfect. We might all be drinking for three after the Dark Souls are. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Yeah, turn into a drunk cast real quick. Yeah, yeah that's right. Awesome. So I uh, look forward to talking to you guys in two weeks. Uh, and until then, uh, have a good night. You too, David. Thanks. Thanks again. See you later.